Freedom, he 
your name Lord we bless your name Lord because of you we can stand here and be brave because of you Lord Jesus we thank you Lord I stand before you now the greatness of your
everybody it's so good to have you join us today for this message i particularly want to welcome those that are listening on radio 103 fm it's so wonderful that you can be with us today the whole world right now is busy rebuilding or at least in much of the world we are rebuilding people are rebuilding nations churches are being rebuilt Uh, businesses are having to be rebuilt even families are having to be rebuilt And so I'd like to talk to us today in in this message that I've entitled, By My Spirit, How Do We Rebuild? And to answer that question or to look at that, I want to go to a very familiar portion of Scripture and use a Scripture that uh, many of you are very familiar with as an instruction from the Lord about how we should rebuild. And it's the Scripture that is well known to us from Zechariah 4, verse 6. And I want to read it for you from the NIV. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I think as South Africans, we know right now the challenges that our nation faces. And uh, due to just corruption and uh, poor service delivery, there's a lots of rebuilding that has to be done in many places. It may be that your business over covid Time has struggled and you have to rebuild your business. Or there may be some uh, challenges in your family that requires you to rebuild a family. Or perhaps individually in your own life, you're feeling like 
you've run into problems, you've lost speed, you've lost momentum, and you're having to rebuild something. Well, the word of the Lord says we can only do that, not by our might or power, but by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? How, how, what is the Lord saying to us through those words? Because they're very nice sounding words. And I think sometimes when we hear a phrase like that, we, we tempted to apply it in any way that we feel is fit. But you know, the best way to understand a portion of scripture is by first of all going to its context to understand what it meant to the people that first heard it, what it meant to the people whom it was spoken to. And then from there, we can begin to go to what could it possibly mean for us today. So let's look at this portion of scripture, Zechariah 4 verse 6. Why was this written? Why did the Lord say this through the prophet Zechariah? Now, the story behind this verse is this, that in uh, around 587 before Christ, the, the Babylonians conquered so much of the earth and destroyed Jerusalem. They came and they sacked Jerusalem. And um, as you know, they took so many people into exile. Um, and this became a time where the, 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 the temple and the city of Jerusalem was left in ruins, basically. Um, and this carried on for a long period of time, only up in 538 BC, when King Cyrus uh, became king and um, conquered many nations and places. Uh, he declared that nations should be allowed to be rebuilt that were sacked. And uh, one of those was the, 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 the province of Judah and its city, Jerusalem. And he gave a decree that said that these nations had to be allowed to rebuild themselves and to rebuild their cities. And so he, um, in, in the case of Jerusalem, appointed a person by the name of Zerubbabel as the governor of Judea uh, to go and uh, rebuild the city. And so this rebuilding started in 538. But very soon, they met opposition and uh, the nations around them weren't happy with this rebuilding. And uh, they made some mistakes themselves as the people that were rebuilding. And uh, they just completed the, 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 the foundations and then didn't go any further. And for 15 years, this building project just stood still. For 15 years, the people carried on living in a in that place of dis disrepair with this sort of nagging project that they could all see every day. I don't know if you've ever done that where you, know, where you started a project. Perhaps you wanted to, to build something or paint something or, or develop something or start a course and you wanted to teach, uh, to teach yourself some new skills or something and, and you don't complete it. And then it's, it's lying around there. You, it's in your mind. It sort of adds this stress to you because you know it's not completed. This is the, the state the nation of Israel was in. And I think we often as people can do that, don't we? We, we, we start something and then we don't complete it because the opposition becomes too much. And it, it really is something that, you know, is, is quite heartbreaking and sad when you see that, particularly on such a large scale as the nation of Israel. Um, and uh, an article that I read from the Christianity.com uh, website uh, who talks about this, describes this condition as the following. Um, the experience of the Jewish people is a good indication of how people sometimes live in unfinished projects. Um, those left behind cobbled together an impoverished existence, surviving despite the odds, rebuilding lives as best they can, um, and the people of Jerusalem actually be, were the poorest people that continued to live in that rubble, in that half-finished project, and um, they just survived. And the scripture describes them as the dung heap of the nations. They, were, they had very little hope and self-respect, and there was no, you know, didn't look like it was going anywhere. There was no great forecasts for the future for them, and they were just stuck in a very difficult place. It may be that you're feeling like that today, that you're feeling like you're stuck in a difficult place with half-finished projects, with things that are, that are needing to be rebuilt and developed, but you, you're running out of steam. You, 
You just can't seem to get it done. Well, that's why the Lord in that situation raised up this guy by the name of Zechariah. And Zechariah was used by God to begin to motivate the people again to say, come on, guys, it's time to complete this project. For 15 years, you've lived in this condition uh, of squalor. It's now time. It's the will of God. It's not God's will for you that you continue to live just eking out an existence in this, in this struggling and with no hope and future. It's God's will that you complete this project. And uh, he started challenging and, and, and encouraging the people along with the prophet Haggai. They spoke to the people and they spoke to Zerubbabel and they would be the voice of the Lord to strengthen the people to complete the project. And it was in the midst of this that we read in Zechariah 4, the Lord appearing through an angel to Zechariah. And I'm going to read that for you. I'm going to read 10 verses. So please stay with me. Um, this is fascinating that what happens here in Zechariah 4. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up. Like someone awakened from sleep, he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is my, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the, the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will, will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. So this prophetic word that the Lord gave to through the angel to Zechariah, is all about the rebuilding of the temple. So in this picture, the lampstand, the golden lampstand, um, re refers to the temple that has to be built. A, a lampstand always makes us think of light. And remember, the temple was supposed to be the place where God dwelt, where his presence was, was felt and experienced and seen. And because remember, God's covenant with his people was that I will live among you, that you will be my people and I will be your God. And this was God's desire to come into Jerusalem and to live with God's people again so that they could begin to experience his blessing and his favor. And this nation, this city and the nation could again take its place among the nations and actually be a place of the glory of God that displayed who God is and what God wanted. And that's what God has in mind for us today also too. Now, obviously, it's not through a temple anymore because now it's by the spirit that the temple is within each of us. But God wants us to experience his presence, to live in his glory, to live as Jesus prayed, that his kingdom will come on earth and is in heaven. God in our nation wants us to experience the blessings and the goodness of his rulership, of the of what it's like, what, li what life is like where God is on the throne. He wants us to experience that. God wants us to experience that in every aspect of our lives. God wants our businesses to be a place where his glory is represented. Our families to be a place where his glory is represented. Our lives, our individual lives uh, to be a, a, a display of the splendor of God. So God is restoring something in our midst. Now, how does he do that? And that's where the second part of the vision is interesting, because not only did he see the lampstand, which represents the temple, the place of God's dwelling, his presence amongst his people. But he saw these two olive trees, one on each side. And it was this idea that these olive trees were providing the oil that would flow into the lampstand that would cause the, the light, the fire of the presence of God. So this temple wasn't resourced by itself. It was resourced by these two uh, olive trees that were standing next to it. And these two olive trees is, is what Zechariah was asking now, you know, who are these? What is this? Um, and we have to understand that these two olive trees that this vision refers to was on the one hand was Zerubbabel, the governor that represents civil government, 
you know, that the, the power and the authority of civil government. And on the other side was Zechariah, the prophet, and who represents the spiritual authority, the religious authority that was raised up by God. And God was saying the temple would be the place of God's presence, but it will be resourced and, and made possible for the temple to be rebuilt because there's civil government that in harmony works with religious government to bring about the rebuilding of the temple. And I think that's a very important thing for us to understand that when God rebuilds, it's not merely a spiritual rebuilding. Um, it is also a rebuilding of, can I say, of reason. And when I use the word reason, what I'm trying to communicate with that, it's it's almost, it's the common sense. It's the, it's the, the, the things that are the, the laws of, of this world, the natural laws of God that comes into play, that is, needs to be applied in godly wisdom and godly sense. And then there's the issues of faith, the, the trusting of, of, the, of our spirituality and of our faith. So it's this practical wisdom and spiritual wisdom that comes together, that resources the rebuilding of God's presence and of God's will and desire to be done among his people. And I think that's the important lesson that you and I have to learn today, that if we're going to rebuild anything, whether it's a nation, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it's an individual life that needs to be rebuilt, rebuilding requires both reason and faith, both fueled and led by the Spirit. When we are going to build something, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to show us the practical wisdom we need. Like in James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. We need to ask God for the practical wisdom. If you're rebuilding a business, it's wonderful that you can pray and it's very necessary. That's the one olive tree that you have to resource your rebuilding of your business by, is by coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I pray over my business. I speak your blessings over my business. I thank you for your promises that are yes and amen in my business, Lord. Um, I, and, and, if, and I take authority over any schemes of the evil one. You stand in spiritual wisdom and authority and, and you get people to pray with you and you trust God. But at the same time, you have to also rely on the olive tree of the practical wisdom that God can give you. That when you pray and you say, Lord, thank you for my business and I can rebuild my business. Give me wisdom for today that the Lord, you know, can speak to you about your accounting system and saying your accounting system uh, is outdated. You need a new accounting system, perhaps, for instance, or you, you need to look after your customers better. You, are, you don't have good communications with your, with your customers. They, they think you've forgotten about them. You're not following up uh, their requests quick enough. You need a better system. Um, you know, that, that kind of practical wisdom, for example, that a rebuilding requires both of that. I say this because I think so often as Christians, when we, when we read the, this verse, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, we think that means that all we have to do is apply spiritual wisdom into every situation. That's not what God is saying. Through this particular message to Zechariah, that's certainly not what he was saying. Uh, when, the, when the scripture says not by might, uh, some of the commentators say that word might focuses on collective strength. And when it uses the word power, it focuses on individual, individual strength. The Lord was saying that to Zechariah, that if you're going to rebuild this temple, you guys have to understand, you and Zerubbabel, as the, as the ones that are leading this project, that you're not going to do it because of your collective strength. And you're not going to do it because of individual strength alone. You can only do it because the Holy Spirit comes and empowers your efforts. Now, he didn't say you don't need collective strength or individual strength. He was just saying that on its own is not going to do it. And I think often that's how we want to rebuild. So let's try and begin to apply this message to what it could mean to us today. Let's think about our nation, South Africa. If we want to rebuild South Africa, then you can look around us and, and when people are talking about how we should be rebuilding our nation, they would, they would often go to the answer is our collective strength. Or some would go to the answer is the individualized strength of every person or 
or, or they break it down into, into its com smaller components and say, if every one of these things would do what they're supposed to do, then we can rebuild. And yes, there's truth in, in both of those. And it's, it's normally a combination of both of those, that to rebuild our nation, we have to be stronger together. We can't do this on our own individually. We have to work together. But we also need every individual to take responsibility. But let me tell you, just by our own collective strength, we're not going to rebuild this nation. And by our own individual responsibility, we're not going to rebuild this nation. Because both of those things are also where the problem arose, isn't it? The problem arose in our nation, for instance, because collectively we were not working together anymore. We have a history of apartheid, of being separated from one another, of, of being, you know, our unity not not coming to its full strength. And that can fall apart because people disagree. People have different value systems. People have different views. And, and we can work together for a period of time, but then we, we invariably start falling apart and, and, and we struggle. So if we're going to put all our hope in our ability to work together, at some point we're going to dis be disappointed. Our nation also struggles because individuals didn't take up their responsibility. Individuals became corrupt. Individuals uh, led to, to things just not being done the way they should. And, for, and poor service delivery, it always comes down to an individual that in that specific time and space and place is not taking up their responsibility. And, and that happens. And so if we're going to put our hope in either of these things in the in the might of our collective strength and wisdom, we're going to be disappointed. If we're going to put our, our hope in the individual taking up their responsibility and doing what they should be, we're going to be disappointed. And that's the same, whether it's rebuilding a family, that a family can only be rebuilt because, you know, if they work together to rebuild it, they, they come, they work off the same page, as we say, and every individual takes up their responsibility. But that in itself always leads to disappointment that our families get in trouble because they're not able to sustain that and do that. Because we as human beings were made that to not be the source of our own strength. Our strength always has to come outside of us. Like the temple can only be rebuilt because it's resourced from outside of itself to us to be who God made us to be. And to have the presence of God, which is what we need to live life the way we're supposed to live it. We cannot live this good life, abundant life, this great life without God, without God's presence. It needs to resource us. And to do that, we need the Holy Spirit to be the one that strengthens us. The Holy Spirit is the one that can draw us together and unite us and strengthen us to, to be stronger together. It's the Holy Spirit that works in each individual, that helps every individual to, to stand up, to take responsibility, to be the one that God has called them to be. It's when both of these come together, but by the power of the Spirit. And that's what that word is saying. That's what that scripture means. It's not merely by, your, by, the, by the might of your collective strength. It is not by the power of your individualized responsibility and taking up responsibility that you're going to rebuild the temple or rebuild anything. It's by my spirit. So we as people of the Lord need to say, Lord, I thank you for collective strength. I thank you for individual responsibility. But Lord, we come before you and we say, Holy Spirit, we need you to be the fuel for both of those, and we need you to lead us in both of those. So that as a corporate entity, if we're rebuilding a nation or rebuilding a business or rebuilding a family, even as an individual, rebuilding an individual life, you need others to help you. You need, you need others to come and contribute. But Lord, I cannot put my faith in that alone. I put my faith in your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. We need you to inform us as a collective with practical truth and with spiritual truth. To rebuild a nation, we need wise leaders. We need people that understand the wisdom of God. Now, they may not even 
have personal relationship with God sometimes. That's amazing how God can do that. But they can still use godly wisdom. And we need people that are drawing us, reminding us, calling us like the prophet Zechariah to the word of God, to the promises of God, to that which God had set in motion, that which is on God's agenda. And it's when those, those two parts work harmonious together, it's there that we see the powerful rebuilding. And they did rebuild the temple. And the temple was dedicated. And by the way, this temple is the temple that stood the longest. It wasn't the biggest temple, but it stood longer than any of the other temples because of the working of the Spirit of God among them. Can we rebuild in our lives today? Can you rebuild? I want to tell you that to rebuild whatever situation you're facing that needs to be rebuilt, you cannot afford to divide your life into the sacred and the secular and to say, all I'm going to do is trust God in the sacred, the spiritual truth. The, and, 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 and that's where God's going to work. But in, when it comes to the, the secular, the, the, the sort of practical wisdom, the practical realities of life, God is not going to really speak into that. No, as believers, we have to break through that sacred secular divide and become the master rebuilders of God's kingdom and to see God's kingdom being rebuilt in every place where we go and are sent on our front lines to be the ministers of God's kingdom, to be the workers in God's kingdom, because we apply the Spirit's truth in the sacred and in the secular. God is everywhere for us. He embraces everything. He resources everything. He's the fuel in every activity of our lives. He's our, our fuel on a in a gathered church space. He's our fuel on a Sunday when we meet together, when we worship, when we're in our community groups, when, we, when we're with friends and we're sharing about the Lord Jesus and we're praying, when we're in our families and, we, and we're having our, our family devotions. The Spirit of God feels that, but the Spirit of God also feels when we are in our, in our daily lives busy with our everyday activities, whether that's at work and whether our front line is at our, our, our place of, of entertainment and relaxation or whether it's in a family activity or visiting with friends or, you know, standing in line at the post office to renew your motor vehicle license or wherever it is, God is in every space. He is the spirit that empowers us that by my spirit, you will rebuild. Can we begin to trust the Lord to do that? I want to remind us of that great scripture in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. If you're facing a rebuilding project in, in any place right now, I want to encourage you. Take Proverbs 3, verse 5 and, and put Write that down for you somewhere where you're reminded of it all the time. And make this your practice that in everything you do, take it to the Lord. Every bit of practical wisdom that you're coming up with to say, perhaps this will solve this problem. If Go to the Lord with it. Say, Lord, this is what I think we need to do. But I submit it to you, Lord. I ask you for your wisdom. And, and, and the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will guide you. The Lord will be with you every step of the way. Seek his wisdom in, in the practical things that you have to do. Seek his wisdom in, on the spiritual level also. What's going on behind the scenes? And God will give you the wisdom to do that. Just a practical thing. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't think that your understanding can do this. But submit everything to him. In all your ways submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Ask him. We can't, can't passively wait and do nothing. No rebuilding is going to happen because we just sit down and pray and do nothing. We actively pursue the Lord by saying, Lord, this is the next thing I think I should do. Speak to me, Lord. Is that right? And the Lord will guide you and the Lord will, will lead you. In Acts 2, we see this beautiful moment where God's spirit was poured out on a group of people that had to rebuild or possibly it may be more correct to say build the church. 
It was the birthplace of the church. It was the moment where the church was to arise and to be that which be, bring God's presence among people to, to fulfill that covenant promise of God will be with us. We will be his people. They were the ones that were going to take it further beyond the Jews into all the nations. And God poured out his spirit in that moment to empower them to go and to rebuild and to build his presence amongst the people. And we read in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you again see this beautiful harmony between the collective and the individual? Each of them received the Holy Spirit but they all received the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't one person's strength that led to, to changing the world. It wasn't just the might of their collective uh, experience. It was the working together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you and I can have every day. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Every day, when you're going into your day, Onto your front line. Perhaps your front line today, that day is driving children around. The Holy Spirit is with you. Perhaps your front line is teaching. The Holy Spirit is with you. Perhaps your front line is a busy, bus difficult business meeting that has to happen where some difficult decisions has to be made. Perhaps your front line today requires you to have a disciplinary hearing. Perhaps you, your front line is about designing a new solution. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is with you and he will resource you both spiritually and practically, with reason and with faith, the Holy Spirit will resource you so we can rely on him. I want to lead us in a, in a simple prayer as we end this message today. The prayer that helps us to receive the Holy Spirit. We, we know the scripture teaches us that to receive the Holy Spirit, there's four things that I have to do. First of all, I I need to desire the Holy Spirit. Do you desire the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your everyday life? Do you desire the Holy Spirit? Not just in our gatherings to, that we desire the Holy Spirit, not just when we're in a time of prayer and worship, but in every moment, do you desire the Holy Spirit? That's the first step is thirst for the Spirit. Ask is the second step. Come to the Spirit then and say, Lord, I want you and therefore I ask. Ask Jesus Jesus, fill me with your spirit today in Jesus' name. Then the third step is to receive, just to take a moment and to say, receive, like those people did in the upper room. They went and they waited for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They received. That's the time if, if I thirst for something, then I have to drink when I receive it. Drink the Holy Spirit. Take some time, drink the Holy Spirit, and then Step four is to go out believing that I have received the Holy Spirit. Go onto your front line. Go into your day saying, Lord, I have received your Spirit. So this may be a habit that we can do every day. The beginning of a day to say, Lord, I want your Spirit for today. Come Holy Spirit, anoint me for today. Empower me for today. Jesus, I ask that you will fill me with your Spirit right now for today in Jesus' name. Then take a moment to say, thank you, Holy Spirit. I receive you right now. And then say, thank you. And then as you get up and go into your day, say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that by faith, I know you are with me in every moment of this day. So can we pray that together as I end for us? Let's, let's pray. Lord, as believers, we come before you today and we recognize our need for you. We recognize that we cannot do this on our own, whether that's through our collective might or our individual power, Lord. We cannot rebuild what it is that we need to rebuild as a nation or as individuals, as families, as business people, whatever it is, Lord. We need you and therefore we thirst for you. We, we, we desire you, Holy Spirit, come and empower us in Jesus' name. Therefore, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Jesus, fill us with your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can receive you. We receive you right now. And with that, we receive the gifts that you want to give us. The abilities, the spiritual gifts, Lord. The gifts of wisdom, of knowledge. The gifts of miracles. The gifts of faith, Lord. The gifts of 
of speaking in tongues, that to be encouraged, to be strengthened. We trust you for every gift that you want to give us today in Jesus' name, to go into this day. And as we go now, Father, into our week, into our responsibilities, into our rebuilding projects, Father, we thank you that you empower us by your Spirit, and we believe that you are with us. By faith, we step forward into that which you have asked us to do. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. It was so wonderful to share this message with you. Go forth in the power of the spirit. Bless you.